0: Movie Date is supported by the Alliance Theatre, opening its new season with an all-star Atlanta cast in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. September 2nd through the 20th. Tickets at alliancetheaterorg
1: cuckoo. For $10 off, enter code WNYC at checkout.
0: Rafer, do you remember the first time in your life, maybe you were a kid, when you watched a movie that maybe you thought, maybe this is inappropriate?
2: Oh yeah, sure. What what was that movie? That was in the the glory days of cable. When cable just first came out when um HBO was...
0: first came out.
2: Oh, no. Oh, God. I'm going so far back before HBO, Kristen. This is like Kristen. before I'm alive. <laughs> this is before you're alive. This is on TV, if anyone out there remembers on TV and select TV.
0: I have no idea. Yeah, I don't even know. No idea. You don't
2: even know, Kristen. Oh, but boy, I know. And uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I really got my education through, um, through cable. Back when, uh, also back when Bravo was a, an art house uh, film channel, Bravo started out as uh, foreign and art house films.
0: That's a long time it's ago. It's a
2: long ass time ago. <laughs> Kristen Weinzer and I remember seeing um, Bernardo Bertolucci's Luna with uh, Jill Clayburgh as a woman who begins an affair with her son and there's a very <gasps> steamy her real son not a stepson no her son oh uh, I'm pretty sure and there was a um, very steamy scene in that and I do remember thinking like hmm that was very very young." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, I'm very glad I'm watching this, but this does not seem right to me. <laughs> How about you?
0: Oh, I loved seeing stuff like that as a kid. Doesn't yeah. every kid love seeing that? It's yes. Like, oh, I'm seeing something that's totally not for my eyes. Oh, yeah. These are for grown-up eyes. I used to love, like, this says something about the generation I'm in. Like so many other kids, Blue Lagoon meant so much to me. Oh, well, Blue Lagoon was pretty steamy at the time. It was so steamy. Now, looking back at it, I'm like... Was it actually steamy or was it not? No, it's got some pretty. I mean, especially for its for its targeted
2: audience, pretty steamy. I mean, they got they got no clothes on most of the time.
0: Most of the time, no clothes, and then isn't Brooke Shields like fifteen or fourteen yeah. in this movie? She's really young. Yeah, which also reminds me of another very inappropriate movie that she was in that I remember, uh, Pretty Baby. Oh yes, of course. Where she's like. I think, an 11-year-old prostitute yes, in New Orleans. extremely young. Yes, that's extremely right. Extremely young, like not quite hitting puberty young. Right. And she's a prostitute. And her right. mom is Susan Sarandon in that movie. And I remember seeing that also and thinking, wow.
2: Yeah, that's pretty wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyhow, I, there are a lot of movies out there that people over the years have considered wrong. Even movies that, by today's standards, aren't really that wrong. Yeah, I, that's, that's very true. Not yes. That, not, not that big of a deal. No big whoop. Oh, wow, I saw a leg. Wow. Human leg.
2: <laughs> we're not going that far back, are we? <laughs> no.
0: Back let's, back not, to let's not go that far back. But the reason we're talking about all this is because we're dedicating today's show to NC-17 movies, triple X movies, porno, all that good stuff. Anything illicit. Anything illicit. Anything that you're like, hmm, maybe this isn't for my eyes, or maybe it really is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We'll get to all that in a moment with a very special guest as well. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday.
0: And I'm Kristen Mines, our culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date.
2: So, Kristen, our guest today is Dan Savage.
0: Woohoo! Yay! And
2: pretty much everyone, I think, knows Dan Savage, uh, the uh, sex advice columnist. Uh, he writes a column in The Stranger, and uh, we, you may know him from his Savage Lovecast as well. Uh, what you may not know is that he also hosts a film festival. Uh, the, this is the 11th year of Dan Savage's Hump Film Festival, perhaps not surprisingly It's a porn film festival. Yes, but but with five-minute films. Yes, and not not the porn film festival that you might expect. Uh, We spoke to Dan Savage from his home in Seattle about the Hump Film Festival, which kicks off today, August 28th, right here in Brooklyn, and then begins touring uh, the country nationally. So chances are it's going to come to a uh, steamy, seedy, sticky theater near you. (laughs) And uh, we talked to Dan, and we asked him, why? Why make this short porn film festival? And here's what he said.
1: Well, it was an accident, actually. I had a co-worker uh, here years ago at The Stranger, and we just started joking about The Stranger being my home newspaper in Seattle, joking about taking a full page in the paper and announcing we were having an amateur porn film festival and doing a call for submissions just to see what we would get. And we got so much great stuff that then we had to go through with it and do the festival. And the question then became, would people come and sit in a dark movie theater next to strangers and watch porn the way their grandparents used to, (laughs) or or in some cases their great grandparents used to in a dirty movie theater. Uh, And the answer to that was also a resounding yes. And people came uh, to the theater in droves and people loved it. And, you know, it's not a trench coat in the lap kind of dirty theater porn festival uh, they're five-minute shorts, and they're very creative, and they run the gamut, of vanilla to kinky, um, you know, cis and transgendered, gay and straight, uh, vanilla and hardcore, uh, you know, erotica, animation, some musicals even, and it's just this. You know, we call it a porn festival. It's really a celebration of human sexuality and human sexual diversity, and the diversity of our experiences. And what I love about Hump, and I think what really comes across when you when you come to the screening and you watch the show is that you know a lot of people have a problem with porn because they find it dehumanizing. And this is very humanizing porn. This is porn made by friends and lovers doing what they love and wanting to share it with people in a movie theater but not with people on the Internet because we don't release anything online. So we get these really wonderful films made by sometimes amateurs, sometimes real filmmakers, uh, from folks who would never otherwise do this. And it's very liberating and very, very celebratory, and I'm very proud of it.
0: Just a technical question here. Now, United States Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart famously wants to find porn as simply, I know it when I see it. D- <laughs> d- does that apply to you too? I-, I mean, I'm imagining there's a wide range of stuff that gets submitted to you. How do you know there, it's porn?
1: You know, porn I think is sometimes about intent. We had one film a couple of years ago uh, that was just people smashing pies in each other's faces. And some <laughs> people were like, how is that porn? And that's actually a fetish. There are people out there who have this pie-smashing-in-face fetish and for them it's porn and for the people who made the film it was porn we also had a film called go ahead and pee a couple of years ago that we sent out on the tour that was just a woman in her backyard wearing a leotard jumping on a trampoline while the voiceover said go ahead and pee and then you realized at a certain moment that she was and you know you could see that she was (laughs) wetting herself and that was the entire film that's all it was for like two and a half minutes And other people are like, how is that porn? Like, you know what? For somebody that hit the sweet spot. For somebody that's their porn. You know, erotica and even pornography is so subjective and so personal. And that's what I love about Hump. There's this thing that happens. I'm just going to go off for a second if you don't mind. I watch the audience. I go to, I've, I've seen all the films when I curated. I've watched them all a million times. We've done the edit. I watch the people watching the films. And at first, everyone is kind of thrown back in their seats because you have straight people watching hardcore gay porn. You have really vanilla people watching really kinky porn. You have uh, a lot of cisgendered people, sometimes for the first time in their lives, watching trans people who've made porn for and by themselves. And people are really kind of thrown back in their seats. The wind is knocked out of them. And then about a third of the way through after 10 films, people are start cheering for each film and everyone's clapping and laughing. And what happens is at first, all anybody can see is what's not the same. That's not my plumbing. That's not anything I would do. That's not my sexual orientation. That's not my interest. And all you can see is what's different. And about halfway through, a third of the way through the festival, everyone starts to see what's the same. And what's the same is the love, the desire, the sense of humor, the passion. Um... You know, the turn on, all of that stuff we experience in the same way. And all of that's more important than the plumbing or the activities or the props. And people really tap into that at home when you're exposed to porn that you wouldn't have clicked on if you were home alone in front of your computer masturbating.
2: Now, the the gripe of film festival uh, programmers all across the country is usually that they get, uh, you know, an overwhelming amount of submissions and they only have room for a few to screen um, how do you decide uh what you 're going to keep
1: and 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 what you what just does not make the cut well we we have about twenty twenty five films in every year and uh there 's a jury we sit for two days in, in an office uh conference room and we watch all the films and we debate them there 's about a, a dozen people on the jury, twelve uh, sometimes angry uh, men and women <laughs> and some non binaries too and you know a film has to it has to be good. And, but that's really subjective, you know, go ahead and pee, which I mentioned earlier, you know, was filmed on somebody's camera in their backyard on a tripod. And it wasn't that the technical aspects of it weren't that great, but it was so interesting and so personal that it got in. And so it just, it just depends. It really just depends. And sometimes there are films in that have no sex at all, uh, that are really intense and really erotic and, and, and those get in. So I, so I can't tell you, you know, a film has to be good and interesting and compelling and hot, but on its own terms. It's not like I have to think it's hot because if, you know, if I had to think it was subjectively a turn on just for me, that wouldn't be a very interesting porn festival for everybody else. And you've been doing this
2: for 11 years now. Um how have the films changed over the years? Have you seen any trends in what people are submitting uh, uh, in what's becoming
1: more acceptable, let's say? Yeah, actually, there's been some interesting development over the last – it was funny. Eleven years ago when we started it, we got porn made by amateurs where people were trying to do you know, industrial porn, uh, professional <laughs> porn, trying to make like their own version of uh, commercial porn. And they saw that people came to the festival and they saw that those were not the films that audiences really responded to. And we do a ballot that everybody in the audience gets to vote on their favorite films and there's a $5,000 prize for the best film in the show uh, and other prizes, uh, large cash prizes for other films. And people saw what people responded to and it wasn't fake commercial porn. It was really personal, really subjective and so we don't get those fake commercial pornos anymore. We don't get people trying to look like they're in uh, you know, a vivid video. We get people <laughs> sharing just what they're about and that's terrific. What's weird though is every year, there's just something in the zeitgeist every year where one year we got six different James Bond film parodies. <laughs> and we didn't say in the call for submissions, we'd really like to see some James Bond parodies. They just all arrived. And if they had arrived spread out over six years, each one probably would have gotten in. (laughs) But because we couldn't have six James Bond parodies in a two-hour, five-minute short film festival, we had to pick one. Um, And one year we had you know, a great uh, – a whole bunch of films um, with lesbian sex, but they all involved incorporating fruit and vegetables as sex <laughs> toys as sex toys and metaphors. And we're like, these are so great, but we have to pick one. And that just happens every year. We never know what it's going to be. But every year we sit there and go, ah, this is the trove. Is it going to be zombies this year? We never know what it's <laughs> going to be. But there's always uh, sort of a treasure trove.
0: Do you find that social trends culturally, what's happening with the Supreme Court or with federal laws – do you see any of that coming into the films at all or changing what the content of the
1: films are? We actually jerry-rig some of that in. We do a thing where we invite the filmmakers to include a prop in their films, a little ah. Easter egg for audiences to watch out for us. They know that these films were made just for them and just for Hump. And we always pick something like, you know, a McCain-Palin button. Uh, <laughs> we, we want people to think about politics. This year it's Mike Huckabee's book, God, guns, grits, and gravy is the <laughs> suggested prop. So we expect to see that. Uh, we see, expect to see Mike Huckabee's face all over our porn festival <laughs> next year. So uh, talk, talk about talk about your subjective turn ons. Right? Yes, yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. Dan, you know, having watched all these films over the years, um, as a professional writer or just as a person,
1: what have you learned? Uh, I've learned that even as a gay man, that I can I can sit very calmly and um, eat my lunch, which is delivered to the jury room, so that we can keep going and and watch Cunnilingus without flinching. Which, when <laughs> eleven years ago, when I started uh, running hump and sitting through all the submissions, was not true. So you can get used to anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so nothing
1: shocks you anymore. Yeah, nothing shocks me anymore. Maybe rose budding. That still shocks me. Don't Google it. Don't I, I, Google uh, it. I
0: unfortunately already know what that is. I don't. <laughs> All right, Kristen, well, I'll, I'll off air. I'll tell you off mic.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dan Savage, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Ah, the great Dan Savage of the Savage Love Column, of the Savage Cast podcast, which we have been big fans of for years. Yes. And just Dan Savage of greatness. It gets better. It does. Yes. Dan, we love you. Yes. Thank you so much to Dan Savage for being on today's show. And stick with us, because after the break, we're going to have a little conversation about some of our favorite illicit films.
2: I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm
0: Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. And in honor of all these illicit little films that Dan Savage was just talking about with us... Rafer and I have come up with a list of some of our favorite illicit films. Now, they aren't necessarily illicit, but when they were released, they were given NC-17 ratings or X ratings. They were considered by the decency folks out there to be indecent, if you will. That's right. So Rafer and I have each picked out a couple that we like quite a bit. I love uh,
2: indecent films. When I was uh, a kid, my uh, mother converted to Catholicism and she got uh, the Catholic Observer, which was the newspaper, of um, uh, the, uh, the, sort of the Catholic newsletter, I guess you would call it. And one of the things they had in there was a column uh, rating all the films by their decency standards and their kind of appropriate standards. And uh, there was recommended, then there was recommended with reservations, <laughs> and then there was condemned
0: Oh, condemned. And those are the movies you want to see. I, every week,
2: I would go straight to it. i say, what's been Condemned? I'd, I'd look down the list. i say, all right, how can I see the Condemned films? Um, and I've been doing that ever since. And uh, here's one of my, my first, very first favorite uh, Condemned films that I'm going to give you. It's Bad Lieutenant from 1992. Ooh. One of my favorite films and one of the best performances ever by Harvey Keitel as the no-named Lieutenant of the title. He's just a guy in New York City, a cop who's just roaming the streets, getting into trouble, using drugs, abusing people, snorting coke, smoking crack. There's been a murder, uh, of course, a completely sensational lurid murder in which a nun has been raped by some hoodlums. Harvey Keitel is on the case trying to find these hoodlums. There's some cash involved. So this mystery storyline is kind of interesting, but really what this is is a chance for uh, Harvey Keitel and the great director, Abel Ferrara, to uh, just get down in the gutter uh, from scene to scene. Uh, This is just one outrageous scene after another that you can't believe that an actor and some other actresses would actually perform on the screen. Uh, Harvey Keitel is just amazing. My favorite scene in this is when he pulls over a couple of women in a car and forces them in their car to do some just extraordinarily demeaning and, and humiliating things.
0: I'll tell you something right now. Now listen up to me, okay? I'm going to take you down to the prison house and call your father. You hear me? You hear me?
1: You can't do that.
0: What will you do for me if I don't do that?
1: Whatever you say. Yeah? You can't
0: call our father.
2: What? Just one of the best scenes in the movies. <laughs> He's
0: a bad lieutenant. He's a
2: bad lieutenant. <laughs> uh, that was NC-17 when it came out. And uh, as a little side note, uh, Werner Herzog made a movie of his own starring Nicolas Cage a little later, uh, many years later, called uh, Bad Lieutenant as well. Although he insisted, and it's true, that it is neither a sequel nor a remake which is, in great Herzogian fashion, totally baffling. (laughs) And that movie is also worth seeing. So that's my first pick for you.
0: All right. Well, my first pick is Pink Flamingos, the John Waters classic. Classic. this movie is considered indecent and... It was back then, and it probably still is indecent now, and that's what makes it so much fun. This is one of the movies that made Divine a household name. The movie was made for only like $10,000 in a suburb of Baltimore, which is the home city of John Waters, as most of us know. And in this movie, Divine is playing a character who's been given the awesome title of filthiest person alive. Now, there are these other folks, the Marbles, who are so upset because they want to be the filthiest people alive, and they are pretty filthy. They, oh, do, they are. They do terrible, terrible things. They impregnate young girls kind of in a weird adoption ring against the girls' will so that they can give these babies to lesbians and then they sell drugs to children, heroin filthy. and stuff. They're filthy. just they're very filthy people. So it's all kind of the smackdown of like who's the filthiest? Everyone's completely filthy. There's assassination attempts, and most disgraceful of all, to a lot of the decency watchers out there, poo eating.
2: Yes, Divine poo eating. Divine eats dog poo. It's a, yes, it's the, it's the climactic moment yes. in the film. Yes, I would and I don't
0: say. think we're ruining anything in the movie no, by saying that. No, this, is, that, this
2: no. is a famous, famous scene.
0: Yeah, and this whole movie really takes things to such a level of absurdity that you can't help but just laugh at how ridiculous the whole thing is. Yes. Who could have sent me this package? Who would dare send me a package like this? All fancy. It's just a birthday
1: present, Babs. No, it's no birthday present, Cotton. I smell deep, dark trouble. Uh-oh. Oh my God, almighty!
0: Someone has sent me a bowel movement. Oh, a turd, Mama! A turd! Who could have
1: said this? A ah! turd! Oh, a turd! Oh!
0: Sam. I just have to recommend this to everybody out there if you want to see a truly filthy, indecent movie. You're, you're gonna love pink flamingos and
2: don't and don't forget about Edie Massey as the egg lady oh my uh, god <laughs> who, and uh, she the big giant fat egg lady sitting, sitting in a, a crib she's got I think she's got a diaper on and she's sitting in a crib cracking raw eggs all over herself that's pretty great and Edie Massey went on to have a, a very sh- a short uh, but notable sort of new wave music career briefly oh yeah yeah so weird a great song called hey punks get off the grass <laughs> I love that song uh, my other my other indecent pick is, of course, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh,
0: so good. Roger Ebert forever,
2: folks. Roger Ebert. This movie's just unstoppable. Uh, The great Russ Meyer and Roger Ebert wrote this thing together. Um, I'm not really sure how to categorize it as just kind of a schlock fest. It's just you've got this group of it's 1970 so you've got this group of kind of post the Nation. hippie. Nation. Yeah, this post hippie band called the Carrie Nations. They're kind of in the the waning years of flower power when flower power is becoming kind of decadent and exhausted. <laughs> and uh, they all gather together in this beach house. It's the home of Z-Man this kind of, um, I'm not sure what you'd call him, this kind of Oscar Wilde Svengali character. <laughs> Kind of a Hollywood Phil Spector type, almost, uh, played by the great John Lazar. It was the end of his career, of course, but what a great role! And uh, it's just basically, you know, what's happening to these women with this decadent, crazy lifestyle that they've gotten themselves into. Here's a clip. Yeah,
1: have some grass. Aunt Susan won't see
2: you. Oh no, thanks, man. In a scene like this, you get a
0: contact high. <laughs> this is my happening and it freaks me out oh it is don't gasp man pray we must make haste my time is not my own now, notably, this has nothing to do with Jacqueline Suzanne's that's, Valley of the Dolls. We yeah. just have to make that clear. Much like your first pick, exactly. Rafer, which has like this thing with the same name, not related at all.
2: That's one of the greatest things about it. Uh, you know, and this was a major studio production. That's that's almost the most hilarious thing. This is a major studio film. Russ, Russ Meyer's only real big, big release like that. Um, still just a great
0: piece of work. Legendary. So many great lines. Uh, great movie. All right. Our final pick, because Rafer and I, both love this movie so much. We, we picked this together Showgirls. Oh, the best. Oh, so good. So good. I actually skipped work that day so that I could see it on opening day. <laughs> good I think for I was you. like 18 or something when it came out. And a bunch of my friends and I, if we had jobs, if we were in college, wherever we were, we said, We are seeing Showgirls now. We're going to see it. And you know why? Because it has Elizabeth Berkeley from Saved by the Bell yes. being naked and dancing. More than naked. Oh, boy. Oh, she's doing all sorts of stuff. The sex scenes are very bizarre in this movie. Yes. very There are yes. lots of like flopping around and kind of there's that one in the pool where yes. it's like I, I think it's supposed to be a very sexy tidal waves happening, but it's actually like looks like somebody just put a lawnmower in the middle of the pool. It's just like, <laughs> what? What's going on here? <laughs> and then we have Gina Gershon, of course, also. Oh, kind of,
1: she's great. Yeah,
0: it's kind of like all about Eve, only with naked dancers in Vegas.
1: One day she looks like Pollyanna. The next day she looks like, I don't know, Lolita, maybe. (laughs) Nice dress. Thanks. I bought it at Versace. In the forum? Oh, yeah, Versace. I love (laughs) Versace. Me, too. (laughs) Okay, you know Marty? Hi. Hi. Gaze our line captain. Hi. Hi. (laughs) If you let me down... I could lose my reputation for being such an all-knowing prick. I worked very hard for that reputation, so don't do it. Deal?
0: Deal. (laughs) Yes. Oh, but it's so good. We're laughing, but it's actually so good. So it's a good,
2: good film. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's the great Paul Verhoeven directing that movie, and it's, it's the, it's the Verhoveniest of Verhoeven movies. <laughs> it's just absolute insanity. And Esther Huss, Joe Hester Huss, I mean, I feel like the two of them just hit their most manic, most unfettered peak in this film, and it just, it
0: comes through. It's great. Now, it's the only wide release NC-17 movie ever in history. It opened in every theater across the country. This was a huge, huge deal when it came out. And then it disappeared after about a week because Complete it was universally wrong. panned. <laughs> Completely. Not wrong. a single critic liked it. And then all the critics kind of revisited it years yeah. later and they were like, oh, we were wrong. This is a work of pure genius. Yes, There is nothing but perfection in this movie. And you can't help but just laugh and cheer and be so happy when you watch it. Even Elizabeth Berkley recently came forward. There was a screening of it, I think, a few months ago or maybe it was last year where she introduced it proudly for the first time oh, great! Oh and she said I'm not going to be ashamed anymore and I'm so happy that so many of you over the years have written to me and told me that you love this film and it's really changed my mind I used to be ashamed of it I thought it brought my career down but actually this is one of the greatest things I've ever done and, oh that's great and it made me so happy to hear her say that because she really was living in the shadows of this film for oh, a while. oh my god yeah. yeah well
2: yeah just like uh John Lazar Z-Man from uh, Valley of the Dolls you know, <laughs> you he, know. He, he came to uh to Russ Meyer once and said you've destroyed my career and, uh, you know, yeah, you could say the
0: same thing for Elizabeth Berkley, but what a great role. God, so she was good. good. So, so, so good. Excellent. So those are our favorite porno picks. Indecent picks. Yes. <laughs> so indecent. All right. It's time to get to trivia, though. So, Rafer, what did we ask last week? Well,
2: last week we were talking about American Ultra, the stoner action comedy with Jesse Eisenberg as a pot smoker who turns out to actually be a super CIA agent. Um We decided to pick another stoner movie. There are so many. So many? We picked a classic, and we played you this clip.
1: Why don't you get a job? What for? You need money. (laughs) All I need are some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Thanks. Can I use your bathroom? Yeah, go ahead.
2: We asked you to name that movie and name that actor, and sure enough, you did.
1: Hi, this is Ronnie, living in Ireland, originally from Oklahoma. All I need is some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. Mr. Hand, spoken by Lee Spicoli. I knew it was going to be Spicoli. From Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the minute you said famous movie stoner. Rock on. Party on. See you later. Bye. Great
0: job. Awesome. Yep, of course, it's Spicoli, played by... Sean Penn in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, such a classic. An indelible role. Also possibly an indecent movie. <laughs> well, there, there were some indecent <laughs> there things about that There were some indecent points in that movie. Sure, sure. I don't know if I'd ever seen anybody masturbating in a movie before that. Yes, indeed. Had you? Uh, which
2: came first, that or Blue Lagoon? Oh. Blue Lagoon came later. Okay. I think you're right. I think it was the first time for me as well.
0: Mm, first time. Love that first time. <laughs> Never forget it. All right. So. Kristen, what's this week's illicit trivia question? Oh, yes. It's so illicit. So we're going to play a clip of a movie that initially was rated X because it's so horrible, so indecent. We think you might recognize it. Here's a clip. Naughty, naughty, naughty. You filthy old Sumka! Now, listen here, you little bastard. Just turn around and walk out of here the same way as you came in.
2: Leave that
0: hello! Don't touch it. It's a very important work of art. Oh, Rafer. I can't hear it. I can't see it. I just can't. I'm Horrible. Being, I'm being completely corrupted by that movie. Condemned. Oh. <laughs> condemned. <laughs> <laughs> I need that Catholic newspaper. I need that Catholic. From now on, we're going to only rate movies in that Catholic newspaper. <laughs> you think the Pope is more
2: liberal? Maybe, he's, maybe he doesn't have the condemned column anymore.
0: Oh, gosh. I would love it. I would love it if the Pope is just watching indecent movies all the time and then saying, <laughs> Condemned. <laughs> Show me some more indecent ones so when I When the condemn new pope
2: them. comes out in favor of showgirls, <laughs> that's when I'll finally re-embrace the Catholic Church.
0: <laughs> All right, folks. If you know the answer to this week's trivia question, give us a call. 5717 MOVIES. Or you can write to us at facebook.com
2: slash podcast.